We are very excited to hand the reins to Pastor Mitch. This is Pastor Mitch's first time preaching officially on Sunday morning. And so we're excited to let him spread his wings and use the gifting that God has given him. And so uh, give your utmost attention. Come on up, sir. I want to say how much I, I do appreciate this church because, uh, th well, this is the first place I landed out of Bible college. This is, in fact, my first time preaching on a Sunday. And I'm just so fired up that we get to share this experience together, right? This will be the, the church that I talk about uh, in 10 years uh, that I'm going to gush about to wherever I am in 10 years. Maybe that's still going to be here or maybe that's going to be somewhere else. But either way, I just really appreciate all the love and support that I've gotten from you. Um, also, um, my whole family's watching right now, so I promised I would say hi. Hey to everybody. My, fun fact, I, my grandparents watch this service every Sunday. Uh, basically, since I moved here, they have just been tuning in pretty consistently, um, and I just think that's incredible. I just, I, yeah, I have a real support system here, and yeah, yeah, let's give it, a, yeah, let's give it up for them. Well, it works out great for them because they're two hours ahead, and so like their church gets out at like noon, and then they just rush home and then turn this on. So right, so it's just like four straight hours of preaching and and worship and stuff. So, I mean, I I respect it. I respect it. Um, I also want to take a second because uh, it's been quite some time since I've talked to you. Um, I just want to take a second and talk about youth ministry and talk about uh, what we've been doing. And well, more so, I want to take a sec to gush about my leaders because uh, we I we've really built like an incredible uh, leadership team here. Um, and I really couldn't do this without uh, everybody who's who you know. You, I'm not going to single you guys out. Some of you are here. Some of you are not. Um, you know who you are. And I really can't express how much I appreciate you guys and everything that you do. Um, we've had, uh, so we've got two things going right now as far as youth ministry goes. Friday nights, we're still running drop-in, uh, which drop-in is going phenomenally. Um, every night has something different to offer, and um, it's going crazy. And then also recently, we just started a uh, youth Bible study on Wednesday nights. We haven't been done great at promoting that here. We've done a lot on uh, social media, but... Um, hey, if you're a student between grades 7 and 12 and you want to dive into God's Word, uh, boy, do we have a spot for you to come. So uh, we meet at the Youth Center uh, down the street, that place on the railway, uh, from 7.30 to 9 o'clock on Wednesday nights. So I just wanted to get that plug in, and uh, yeah. So, um, oh, I'm just looking at my timer. I better go. <laughs> that said, all right, let's get into it. Um, have you, first question, real quick. Uh, have you ever really stood out in public before? And like, I'm not talking like a standout as in like you happen to be the center of attention, you know, like doing speeches in school kind of thing, um, or like, you know, where you just kind of happen to be the, the most vibrant one of your social group. But have you ever like, you know, been so like out of place, gone so against the grain in a room? Like if someone were to survey a room, like consistency, consistency, what the heck is that? And then so on and so forth, right? Um, I, I've had, I myself have had plenty of those experiences, and I imagine between uh, all of us in this room, plus Redverse, plus those tuning in online, that we probably have our fair share of stories and experiences. Um, and yeah, like I think that's a pretty common thing that we maybe feel already, or maybe you're just a person who likes to go against the grain, which those people are fun. Um, and actually, uh, before we get into real quick, uh, I would actually like to tell you uh, one of my experiences with this, because it's kind of funny. And it's going to make sense with what I'm talking about later. But I need to get permission first. Do you, like, do you guys want to hear, like, a really good fart story? Like, a re it's a really good one, I promise. Okay. Um, 
I, I told Matt I would ask permission before I asked. So we're all on the same page. It's great. Um, so a couple years ago, uh, I was in my fourth year of college, um, and in my last semester, I did an internship at a church uh, kind of east of Toronto area. Um, and at this church, it was, a, it was a bigger church. We would maybe get like 800 people on a given Sunday. Um, my, past, my one pastor said if we had everyone show up, like everyone who called our church home, uh, show up on a Sunday, we'd maybe have 3,000 people, um, which, I mean, it's pretty incredible. Cause I, didn't, I don't know 3,000 people. <laughs> that was insane. Um, anyways, uh, the environment and the culture and the atmosphere at this church was very, it was kind of very business professional. And you know me. You know that's very me. I'm very professional. I'm a very serious person, as you can tell. Um, but there was one day, uh, we were in the office, and there was meetings going on. I'm preparing for youth stuff. I actually can't quite remember what I was doing at the time, but I was in the office. It was very quiet. There's, like, meetings going on with all the pastors, and, like, people are getting counseled here for real issues, right? I'm sitting there trying to keep down a burrito, okay? Um, <laughs> And there was, like, this small little bathroom in the corner of the office. It was, like, you could tell they, like, just recently built it. And I was, like, look, I, got, I just got to let this out. I just got it. So I got up from my, I had a little cubicle. And I got up, and I made the quiet, very quiet walk around to the bathroom. And it was not, it was not insulated at all, okay? It was, like, they basically threw up plywood, and that was it, you know? Um, and I walk in there. I'm, like, okay, I just got to just make it real quiet. And, boy, was it not quiet. Oh, my goodness. I shook the walls. It was crazy. And I'm sitting there for like a solid minute like, oh, oh no. So I'm going to act out what I did from there. Okay, so here's the wall. And then there was like, my pastor's office was right there. It was all, all glass walls, right? And I, looked, and I was like. And, I and he's sitting there counseling a person. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I, I didn't hear anything, obviously. But he's like. Just, just dead eye. I'm like, oh no, oh no. So then I turned the corner, and then my deskmate, Christy, my poor, my poor deskmate, and she's sitting there working away, and she's just like, just stares. And then I keep going away to my cubicle, and then I look up at the front desk, and my buddy Tim, he was taking, he was like filling in for our secretary, and I just see him turn around, and go, <laughs> and he just bursts up laughing. I couldn't believe it. This fart made it at least 20 feet all the way to the front desk. It was nuts. And like, I mean, yes, it's a funny fart story. And like, it was, it was, it, it's a, it was a funny moment for uh, me because I mean, like, well, I, I hope I've grown up a lot since then. Because um, I mean, I don't, I haven't farted in the office yet. So that's fun. But, you know, Matt and I also mostly work from home. So what does he know? But <laughs> at the same time, there was this real issue that I had in my own maturity at that time that I just couldn't seem to get with the program and that there was a real kind of part of me that was inconsistent with, with what the culture, the atmosphere, and the sort of ex expectation was for the, the professionalism. And something I was thinking about uh, as I prepared for uh, what I wanted to, to talk to you about today is this kind of idea of uh, consistency because I think it's an important thing for us to kind of get down as Christians. And so what I want to do with you today is, well, talk about consistency um, and try and draw a sort of um, deeper affection out of us for the Lord and kind of a, a sort of humble recognition of, like, what, what's the difference between how I'm acting and how I think I am? And uh, to do that, uh, I would like to look at Philippians chapter 3 with you. Um, 
And before we get into the word, I'm just going to pray with us real quick. And uh, yeah. So Father, I, uh, I just thank you for this time that we get to gather together and enjoy fellowship together and, and get into your word. And God, I pray that uh, your word would speak louder than, than I do today. Um, yeah. Just speak to us and, and change us as you see fit. Through your beautiful night prayer. Amen. So, let's, I want to give you some context real quick. I personally love the book of Philippians um, because it is just chocked full of what I like to call coffee cup Bible verses. And what I mean by coffee cup Bible verses is it's just got so many little uh, verses that you just want to see on your coffee mug before you, like, you get up in the morning. It's like the first thing you want to read, right? You know, I'm talking like passages like, you know, Philippians 4, is it 4.12, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Uh, and you're like, yes. This verse is talking about persecution, but I wanted to talk about a Karen at the office today because I just can't, don't have the energy to deal with it right now, you know. Um, and it's just chock full of them. And there's a number of reasons as to why, uh, like, that is. And I'll, I'll get, to sum it up real quick, um, the church in Philippi has a real special place in Paul's heart. Um, he was there. He planted it, obviously, but he had a lot of deep and meaningful uh, connections with uh, the people who fa- were the foundational members of this church. Right, and so it's it's you'll see this kind of interesting dynamic between Philippians and all the other uh, letters in the uh, latter half of the New Testament. Because what you'll normally see, like if in like Ephesians and the Corinthians, is he's either responding to a letter that the church already sent him, um, and he does this kind of like compliment sandwich, almost where it's like you know, oh, I appreciate you, know, my brothers and sisters. I'm gonna encourage you so much. Also, get your act together here. You know, it's like the sort of written form of like your mom smacking you upside the head when you do something dumb. Boy, do I know that feeling. Um, and then followed by an uh, encouraging prayer uh, to, you know, uplift the saints into living what the life that God has for them. But Philippians is a little bit different because all you see is just basically Paul gushing about this church. He loves this church. He loves it so much. And, you know, he's, he's like in prison. He's about to get his head cut off. Like all this stuff. Oh, sorry. Was that a spoiler? Did you guys know? The ha- okay. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> And if you want to read more about how the church was established, it's in uh, Acts chapter 16. Uh, but that's a different sermon for, for a different day. Um, but what you'll find in Philippians, I think, is basically Paul gushing about the church that he loves, and you'll also see his fundamental word, worldview. And I think it, you, you see it come through in a lot of places, but specifically uh, in our text today, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Uh, let's read together. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of it, of that for which I also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. This is actually one of my favorite passages. I, I, I think this is huge. And there's two things I want you to pay attention to in, in this passage. Um, Number one, it's the use of, is Paul's use of the word rubbish. That's actually, it's actually a big thing, and you'll find different words in different translations, mostly garbage, mostly kind of, you know, refuse, that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it's a little, little I don't want to say more vulgar, but, you know, also uh, the Greek translation of it is actually more closer to, like, dung, 
poo-poo, to use, you know, I'm a youth pastor, I'm going to say those words. <laughs> I really like talking about butts today. This is incredible. <laughs> and so we, we read rubbish in the English, but the, the, something interesting I, I, I learned in studying this is it's actually a, a much deeper word than just plain old rubbish. Like, that's kind of posh. You know, that's, rubbish is a very posh word. Oh, throw out the rubbish, darling, you know. Um, but what you actually see, and, this is, and a lot of biblical scholars believe this, actually, um, but it is actually an incredibly strong and intense word. And the only word that we have in the English language that's the equivalent to it is, well, I'm actually not allowed to say it here, but we're mostly all adults here, so I'm, I'm going to let you <laughs> use your imagination to figure it out, you know. Um, I would probably get thrown off the stage if I said that word right now, just saying. Um, point is, that's not, like, licensed to use vulgar language. I'm not saying Paul cussed all the time. But he's very clearly trying to make a, str he's using strong language to communicate a very strong point which is this, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I count them but mere rubbish, rubbish, garbage, total crap. Or let's rephrase that a little bit. I count all things in this world as garbage in comparison to the value of knowing Jesus. Or let's take it even a little further. The treasures of this world and everything it has to offer is nothing comparatively to the treasure that is Jesus Christ. And that's a heck of a thing, because I've seen some beautiful sunsets out here in Saskatchewan. And to, to, to make the claim that that's nothing if I don't have Jesus, like, that's, that's something. And the second thing I want you to pay attention to um, is where Paul admits that this goal, that's knowing Jesus and valuing him properly, is not something that he's yet achieved. And, like, I've, and, and that's very consistent with the rest of Scripture. You have a, a part in Romans 7 where he laments that he consistently does what he, does, he knows he shouldn't do. And then a part in 2 Corinthians 12 where he remarks a thorn in the flesh and he prayed for it to be removed daily. And we don't actually know what that was, uh, but we can use our imagination a little bit there. Point is, God was imperfect. He was both a holy and righteous man by the grace of God, but he was also a wicked, no good, dirty, rotten sinner just like the rest of us as well. There's a real duality there, and, and we all have that. But let me ask you this. Do you, do you guys think that God is more concerned with your mind or your behavior? Do you think he, that God cares more for what you think and feel and, and, and you know, the, the, the things that you say, or especially when you're private, or do you think he cares more for what you do publicly or what you do, period, right? Like, are you allowed to be a Christian who goes to church on Sunday and then gets drunk Monday night? Um, or are you allowed to be uh, a Christian who follows all the rules but doesn't actually care for Jesus? Right? And I think that's typically the two stances that we sometimes take. I would maybe, and like that's not necessarily wrong because the Bible is full of rules uh, for us to follow for sure. It's wisdom's sake, but it's full of rules. But then also, there, there's also grace, right? It's not just because we, we, just because we sin doesn't mean we have to go running back to the cross every, every time. Right? We're not Catholics. We don't, you know, we don't have to run to, to confession to every time to get saved again. I think there's a real duality what you see in the scriptures instead where God cares both about your mind and your behavior because from your mind your behavior follows, right? And so this is something I've wrestled with quite a bit. And um, you know, the second question I want you to actually consider today is, well, what does it mean to believe in something? Or what does it mean to believe something? And I bet if we, um, I bet if I asked every single one of you to answer this question for me, we'd probably get a bunch of different answers, and they could all be right, for all I know, right? Like, it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to, to define. Um, Jordan Peterson, who's an author, 
professor of psychology at the University of Toronto and a practicing clinician. I love this guy. He's like, he's, he's not even a Christian, but he studied Christianity. So he's like Christian adjacent kind of thing. You know, like I'm probably not going to see him in heaven yet. For the grace of God, I, I will, but he's still got a lot of good things to say. And he defines belief as to act on what you think or know to be true. And I mean, I think as far as answers to that question goes, that's, that's, that's a pretty good one. That's, that's better than anything I could come up with. But um, let's entertain that for a second. Like, what, what does that actually look like? Right? So if I believe in my mind that Jesus Christ is Lord who died for my sin to save me and, and, and by faith in him and, and, and right proper uh, relationship, I would, I'll be with him for all eternity, right? Like, that's the fun foundation of our faith. So then wouldn't that mean that I would be doing everything I can to avoid sinning? Wouldn't that mean I'm going so far out of my way, uh, just out of a pure love for Christ, uh, to avoid uh, lusting after other women or men in our day, uh, to avoid getting drunk on the regular, to avoid, uh, you know, refusing to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, for the sake of slothfulness? Or um, would I not be uh, actively checking my own tongue and my own heart, then I'm not treating other people with different political uh, ideas or positions uh, like they're a second-class citizen. These are the vices of our day, right? Like, how often have you seen these things? First, let, let's listen to what, don't listen to what I'm not saying here. What I'm not saying is that, that leisure is necessarily a bad thing, um, that, that you have to be perfect necessarily, or to say that if you're imperfect, because I screw up quite a bit too, right? Uh, and I'm certainly not saying that just because we screw up sometimes doesn't mean that we, you know, don't love Jesus or appreciate him, right? Like, just as Paul said, like, he screws up too. Or screwed up, not screws up anymore. You know what I mean. <laughs> what I am saying is that without a proper value and affection for Jesus Christ, this is not God's desire for you. And faith without behavioral change should be a check engine light on the soul. In that, what you do from, from what you do is from the heart, right? Like our actions from, from our heart, our actions flow, right? And if there is a sort of consistent um, pattern or, or, or behavior where, you know, you, all you want to do is things that, that don't please God, like that's an inconsistency. That's a fart in the office. I know that was like a pretty big point to land on that, on the word fart, but. <laughs> you guys tracking? Like, is that making sense to everybody? Is that, yeah, we're good? And so that leads me to the last thing that I want you to consider today. Are there inconsistencies in, and I'm going to make this personal as well, because I'm, <laughs> I actually found when I was writing this, I'm, I'm really preaching it myself here. I, I'm doing this a lot. Are there any inconsistencies in my life limiting my enjoyment of God? Is there anything in your life that you have a sort of special grip on that you're not willing to lay at the cross? When it comes to you and Jesus, is there uh, something where you're like, you know what, God, you can have all of me, you can have everything I have, except for like this one little thing, except for this one little thing, I, I'm just not ready to give that up yet. And like, it could be a whole host of things. It could be a big thing, it could be a small thing. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a big reader. Um, and recently I was working through uh, C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. Um, I don't, yeah, does anybody, yeah, Matt, Matt and I are readers. I would love to know what kind of books you guys read, just so we can reference them together. <laughs> um, 
and there, my favorite quote out of the, out of the entirety of the of the letters is is this. He, he's he's talking about this sort of gradual descent into into sin. Here, right? Um, C.S. Lewis writes this. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cum- cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and out into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Yeesh. And so what is he actually saying there? Well, that, I, I think that actually says that there's, there's no real, like, light sin that we can just, you know, tuck under the rug kind of thing. You know, there's nothing that, you know, it's like, oh, you know what, I just watched porn the once. Like, I, it was just the one time. Like, whatever. Like, no, no, no. That's not how that works. That's not how that works at all. The second you start justifying the little things is when that festers. Uh, and then, well, what happens when you just tuck a random thing under the mug, it, rug? It might go moldy, right? And it grows and it festers. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, spiritually, you wake up one day and church becomes boring, your brothers and sisters become naive sheep, and you're looking for an exit ramp. Because that, that's how that goes. I want to give you some hope today, though, because it, it doesn't have to be this way. How beautiful is he, that is Jesus, that knew you and knew your sin before the foundations of the world and rather than just smiting you and disregarding you as no good during rotten sinners, that instead he willingly went to the cross and died in our place. And now, and now, after he's resurrected, after he's with the Father right now, he's looking down on us right now from his throne, and instead, instead of just dismissing and, and, and disregarding us, because we screwed up, screwed up bad, but instead he looks at us from his throne and, and, and calls us into the light calls us to, to, to take that thing, out from, that thing out from under the dark rug and bring it into the light so we can deal with it instead. And in that calling, he's also calling us into a, a deeper relationship, into his family. That's the people of God. And see, it's, it's, it's that idea that, like, I, I spat in Jesus' face when I, when I, every time I sinned and screwed up, but he calls me home every time. Every time. And this stirs like a real, this stirs an affection, a deep affection in me. And when I when I say the word affection, I don't mean just I, um, you know, I want to sing and get on my knees and worship, but I mean, like, it, it brings me to tears. It's, I, I look at Jesus no, no different than how I'll probably look at my wife one day, and that's, he's the most beautiful treasure in the entire universe, because he is. And that's the, that's the proper value of Jesus. And that's 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 what I want to, what I want you to take away from this all today is, it, it, basically, look like if if we don't have that proper and right value of Jesus, we're not heading anywhere good. And you can tell. I'm not saying that you're saved by, um, you know, the things that you do, but you're the things that you do is it's kind of a, a a big check engine light, right? Like if you're going around cussing all the time, it's like, hey, whoa, like where's that taming of the tongue? Where's that affection for the Lord? Where's that? Where's, where's Jesus telling you to, to let, let, only let wholesome talk come out of your mouth, right? See, the beauty of Jesus is, is, is found in, in this sort of transformational relationship that he wants to have with us. Um, and transformational, not in that, 
Um, you know, he wants to complete, well, actually, no, never mind. He, he does actually want to completely shape and reform you to the image of his own image in, in all his perfection and beauty. And he's the same Jesus who looks at the same world that, that we do and the, all of its vastness and beauty, the beautiful sunsets that we get out here in Saskatchewan, the uh, simplistic beauty of, of the sort of flatness of the land, also the lakes and the mountains, all these things. Jesus looks at those things and says, one day I'm going to come back and make all of this new and I'm taking you with me. How beautiful is that? In closing, we're going we're gonna to sing one more song together. And uh, I would just like us to, to take a sec as we, as we sing and as we, um, well, I mean, actually, we're going to do a new song, so, you know, you don't have to sing if you don't know the words. But uh, I would actually just invite you to instead just sit and reflect on, on Christ, reflect on the gospel, reflect on uh, what was said, if God's speaking to you right now. Um, and, and ask yourself, is there something inconsistent in me that I really need to change that's not pleasing to God? And if there is, you know, that's the beautiful thing about, about Christ is that he's calling you into light and that he's provided a church, he's provided uh, staff members here, and he's provided brothers and sisters to help you along, to come alongside you with that and, and, and help you step into the light, step out of darkness. I'm going to pray for us and then uh, we're going to sing. Father, I just, I thank you for, for these men and women, and I, I pray that you bless them. And God, I, I, I pray that as we leave here today, that we're, we're not gonna, just going to, you know, leave from my own regular routine on a Sunday morning, but, but God, I pray that you go with us and that you um, are changing us this week, that you're, you're giving us wisdom and that you're helping us see the, the things in our lives that we, we need to change. God, we, our, our desire is that we live a, a pleasing life to you um, in, a, in, in a, a life that's so fulfilling, that is so satisfactory. God, I pray that we would be disgusted by our sin, that we would want to change all the bad things about us, that we would want to step into the light, and God, that you would make us new, that you would make us holy and blameless before you, that you would renew our minds in true righteousness and holiness, just as your word says. It's for your beautiful name, I pray. Amen.